Konnichiwa, my friends. Thanks for tuning in to another fun-filled podcast episode of Master Samurai Tech Radio. We're your hosts, Samurai Appliance Repairman. And Mrs. Samurai. And now you can subscribe to us on iTunes. Just, just got the uh, approval and that our link is live. So you can either go to iTunes and search Master Samurai Tech Radio and subscribe there. Or just go to the blog post over at uh, MasterSamuraiTech.com. And under the support tab in the main menu, you can mouse down to MST blog and you'll see our podcast episodes will be appearing there. And there's a link there where you can subscribe as well. So, Yes. Well, I thought we'd start off with some industry news. And I think uh, Ms. Samurai yeah. got a couple things for us. Yes, it's always fun to look at what's on the horizon in terms of what we're going to be seeing in people's homes. Um, so here is a top load laundry pair by Whirlpool that should be coming out later this year that features an intuitive touch display that simply asks intuitive. what, oh yes, what, what to read wash. Your mind. I know, you, maybe you just put your forehead against it and it knows, but <laughs> I think you might have to key in what you're washing and, and maybe three pairs of jeans, five t-shirts, and two skivvies. I don't know. Anyway, and then it's going to figure out, you know, how to do all the settings and everything. Uh, it will also give consumers access to a number of custom downloadable cycles for the family's most important items. Right. Yeah. Well, this is all, this is just plugged in. It's, uh, it's, yeah. So it's internet enabled. Yep. It's, it's online. It's an online appliance. Right. The new custom wash cycles direct from Whirlpool engineers will be rolled out on the Whirlpool mobile app throughout the year. And the laundry pair also connects seamlessly with the Nest Learning thermostat. Now that mobile app, that's for the consumers? Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's just a consumer, like a fluffy consumer marketing app type thing. Right. Yeah. Um, and so it, the, the units will intuitively enable users to prevent wrinkles in the dryer when they're away. Now, they shouldn't be running their dryer while they're away. This, this is a good point. You should not be me. running uh, a, a wet appliances or appliances that uh, produce a lot of heat like that uh, nope. while you're away from the house because stuff happens. I know. Even in our small town, we've known people with dryer fires mm -hmm. because they uh, were running a dryer while they were away. Unless it's so smart that it knows to shut off its own circuit breaker when it catches fire. Oh, that's true. Yeah, but see, that, that that's because the electronics never fail on these things. So everything else in the in the appliance will break down, but the electronics will still be there to do the job of shutting down the appliance. No, I'm sure. Obviously, I'm being totally sarcastic. <laughs> the we know the the electronics in appliances are not where they should be. Nope, that's a lot of how we earn our living. Yep. So the other one here I've been looking at is a GE refrigerator uh, that should be coming out this fall that will feature a hot water dispenser. You know, we're all used to the cold water and the ice dispensers and fridges, but now you can also get hot water paired with a Keurig K-cup single cup brewer coffee maker. And while that sounds kind of ridiculous to be adding all this stuff to a fridge, there is a, a movement afoot to free up counter space. A lot of people are really getting annoyed with all those small appliances all over the counters. And so, the appliance manufacturers do their marketing research and are finding that these combination appliances have a market. Well, and that, that's a good point because a lot of servicers I know when they read all of these types of features that are coming out on some of the newer appliances, sparkling water, like Samsung's come out with a refrigerator that does sparkling water, they roll their eyes and they go, why are they doing all this stuff? 
Well, because customers want it. These manufacturers are in the business to build products that sell, that people want, that they will pay money for. So they, they spend a lot of money on their marketing research, focus groups and all that kind of thing. They're not going to tool up a whole factory to build this stuff and then uh, nobody buys it. So right. they have very good data to believe that their people are interested in buying this stuff. That's why they're coming up with this stuff. Yep. And um, the, this will also have connected technology where the users can preset their coffee brew times via their mobile device. Uh, I'm, get, I'm sensing a theme here between the, the yep. previous article and this one. We've got a connected theme. Yep. And, and K-cups are immensely popular. There's over 400 varieties for sale right now. So they're expecting this to be a pretty big seller. The suggested retail price of this fridge will be $3,300, which is an awesome price point in terms of us being servicers. That's great because, you know, you, pay, you somebody spends 3300 bucks for, a refrigerator and the repair costs five hundred seven hundred dollars what do you think they're going to do they'll do the repair they're going to do the repair i yeah. mean it's not that you're necessarily charging more it's just that that's the reality some repairs cost that much with parts and and the tear down and everything like that it's not it's not crazy for repairs to get to be that expensive in some of these appliances so, you know, that's our big enemy in the appliance service business is the cost of replacement. So I love these uh, more expensive appliances coming out. Combined functions as to the cost because that increases the likelihood of them actually doing the repair. You, you going there spending the time versus you going there spending the time diagnosing it and then only for them to say, eh, I'm going to get a new one. Right. You can't build a business on service coffees. That's for sure. Yeah. So... So given all these, uh, this connectivity stuff, all these, you know, detailed features, intuitive touch displays, all this kind of stuff, what does this mean to us from a, a servicer's point of view? Well, I think it points out a couple things to me. You know, we've been seeing this trend towards increasing uh, elect use of electronic control boards and appliances we mentioned a minute ago. Um, some of this is driven by DOE's Energy Star requirement, requirements of, for them to use less electricity, less water um, in the case of wet appliances. And we talked about that, I think, a little bit in the last episode. But we're also seeing this trend where appliances, and I mentioned this, are, have become more electronics. But more than that, appliances now are really becoming computers. You're talking about appliances now that, that are pieces of electronic equipment that do things that we don't normally think of electronics as doing. You know, make things cold, dispense water, make a drum tumble. And, um, but we're also seeing now a multiple control board environment. And what that means is, just like on your home computer, you've got multiple control control boards that talk to each other digitally. So we really are seeing now this, this computer controlled machines, but in a multiple control board environment, where now you've got to think about things that you never had to think about before, like digital communications, ser mm -hmm. and, you know, serial pulse trains. Um, I, the day may be coming where we will need to have some sort of uh, instrument, use some sort of instrument to be able to see that digital pulse train, you know, whether it's an oscilloscope. I mean, there are some apps for your phone where you can use it as an oscilloscope well that's what i'm thinking apps and tablet i mean not apps and phones and tablets smartphones and tablets right. are going to be indispensable well they already are for reasons we'll get into later but for diagnostic work right and a lot of that too i mean you can currently you can use your meter your regular dmm to measure the presence of that digital pulse stream but it's it's only going to show you an average of that pulses so mm -hmm. you have a, this stream of uh, square waves, it's all DC, so it just goes up for some width of time and then goes back down. 
and your meter will actually average that. So whether if the if the voltage is going from zero volts uh, to say nominal five volts, your average voltage will be somewhere in between there, depending on how dense that uh, pulse width stream is. Mm -hmm. This is the basics of digital communications, uh, whether you're talking about a Mac computer or a Windows computer or a modern appliance. This is how control boards talk to each other. And this is why um, one of the courses that we offer, Advanced Schematic Analysis and Troubleshooting, uh, specifically goes into this technology, how to deal with it, because reading, reading schematics by themselves is not enough. It's, it's good to be able to do that. It's indispensable to be able to read schematics, but you've got to also read schematics in context with the technology that you're working with. You have to understand, there, it's not just understanding how the circuit would work, it's understanding what it, that circuit does and mm -hmm. how it's supposed to operate in its environment in which it's shown. So you've got, and that's, that's what I mean by understanding the technology that you're dealing with. So whether you're, de you're dealing with an inverter-controlled compressor using a, an inverter with a pulse width modulated signal from a control board, or some of these other situations where you've got multiple control boards that talk to each other uh, digitally, and, mm -hmm. and, it's, and it's almost always done digitally. So you've got to understand how that works. This is part of that technology, and there's no... There's no getting, there's no avoiding this. In fact, a guy, and we're going to talk here a little bit later in this episode about um, techs who uh, maybe they learned something 20 years ago and then they want to stop learning. You can't do that because the industry is always changing and you have to keep up with it. So it's really, we're really at a precipice in the trade here, which really, really starting to see this bifurcation between this uh, clock puncher mentality and professionals. Right. And clock punchers are like, oh, that's my last service call. It's Miller time. I'm going to go watch the game. That's it. And, that, and they, they turn their brain off um, or off more uh, for the rest of the night. And then versus the professional is like, oh, man, there's that, that new bulletin. I got to go through bulletins tonight. And, and uh, there was some new tech, technology and service manuals they were talking about over appliantology. And so it, it, I need to download this and come up to speed on these uh, Samsung refrigerators. That's, or maybe do another lesson in the advanced schematics course. Right, right. And so, right, exactly, or, or whatever training course you're taking over at Master Samurai Tech. So, Right. Well, those are, I mean, we, our websites exist for professionals. And we will, never fear, we will keep up with all the, the technologies. And um, we do. Uh, so much of what we have already gives you that grounding you need to, to handle whatever comes along. But we'll, we'll keep tweaking and adding it's easy for us to do because right. it's all it's all digital. I know. It, digital itself, digital content, easy to update yep. as so, things come along. Speaking of bulletins, you had a, a service bulletin oh, right. you wanted I to wanted highlight. This, this is the other one. This one's kind of a, um, this is on a GE dryer. And this one, I, I pulled this one because it kind of points out the need for information, access to service information. Because this is one, it's kind of a weird little problem. And it would, it would, could it really have you scratching your head? This is, just came out in June. GE dryers of the Gary Frank David Larry model number, um, Gary Frank David Larry 110 Edward Howard um, GFDL. So with the newer model GE dryers, the uh, complaint addressed in this bulletin is the dryer will not continue to run when the start button is released. <laughs> so you have to stand there for an hour holding the start button. Right, but so, which eventually would... Um, uh, may or may not burn out the motor depends right. on whether or not it kicks the start winding out and I haven't looked at the schematic on this one but 
the deal is, um, and this is kind of a weird little thing, after releasing the start button, the dryer won't stay running. So the problem they're identifying possibly is that the idler arm may not be contacting the belt switch because the motor plate may be out of position. Hmm. Wow, would you be who, who would be scratching their head on that one? I know I would be. So uh, this points out the uh, need for having access to good current information. This, these are the types of bulletins that um, I, I get. I get these bulletins, print bulletins from GE, but um, type of stuff I try to make available uh, at Appliantology and um, issues come up, guys are uh, asking questions about it or customers asking questions about it and you know, I can go research it for them and find this type of thing. The repair, they say, and so it's not just it's not necessarily a simple little repair. It's to install motor uh, plate bracket kit, and they give a part number, and there's instructions included with the kit. So if it's under warranty, great. If it's not under warranty, this would be a fairly pricey repair. I I imagine you'd have one irritated customer on your hands. You go there, the dryer's just over a year old. This bulletin just came out. I don't know how long these dryers have been out. Uh, the serial numbers they're referencing are from March through December 2014. So some of these are... They are going out of warranty, yeah, the earlier ones. They're already out yep. of warranty on some of those. So. Yep, so information. Information is a, is a tool, and we're going to talk more about that uh, in the third segment of the show today. So um, stay tuned. We'll go, we're going to go ahead and take a break right now. And welcome back. Well, one thing I we're going to try to get in the habit of doing, we should have mentioned it at the beginning of the uh, podcast, is which episode this is. And this is episode number two. So we will try to remember to uh, mention that at the beginning of each episode, just so people kind of know where they are. I know. You might say, oh, I already heard episode number two. Let's go to episode number three. Right. Right. So um, just want to give a quick reminder about the jobs listing page at mastersamuraitech.com. It's under the success tab in the main menu. You'll see jobs and there's job listing there. If you're an employer or if you're looking for techs, it's totally free to go post your, your um, job listing there. How many do we have right now? We have 20. Wow. There are a lot of companies out there looking for techs. This has only been, yeah, and this we've only had this up for a little over a week. So um, that's, that's pretty good. It's already getting a lot of interest. And also, if you are a student or graduate, of the Samurai Tech Academy. You can post your resume over there so that employers can come along and peruse your resume. Um, they'll have to be logged in. Not So your information is going to just be out there in the public for anybody to see. Somebody will have to actually be in the site or you will submit your resume to a listing that you see at the site. Then you can, you can reply to that with your resume. Yep, we're playing matchmaker. Yes, <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah, so yep. we are matching up great techs with uh, great job opportunities. Also want to mention just real quickly the affiliate program. Remind people about that, that if you, you refer people to MasterSamuraiTech.com and they enroll in a course, uh, you will get a $25 referral fee. In addition to, if you have, so you can do it a couple different ways. You can use a link like on your website and if they click your link and go over to the site and enroll, then they also get a 10% discount. You're, so whoever, so that's another way you can promote it, that if somebody wants to get a 10% discount, they can use your affiliate um, 
link or coupon code because the affiliates also get a coupon code. So you can just, if you don't have a website or something or it's easy for you to give out a coupon code to somebody, give that out. It'll be some easy to remember um, coupon code. You'll get it all emailed to you when you register it um, for an affiliate um, uh, account and it's free. Yep. And, it, and that also is under the success tab in the main menu. Right. You'll see affiliate website. program there. Yep. So it's a, it's a two it's a two way thing. You're, the people you refer will actually get a ten percent discount, and you will get a twenty five dollar referral fee when that, they enroll. That will buy some very nice beer. Oh, you get enough. You get enough mm -hmm. for that. Yeah. Buy buy some more than beer. Buy some you. tools. Yeah. So, okay. One of the other things I wanted to talk about was this common question that we get. I mean. You know, we get phone calls and emails every day from the academy and people, one of the things people are wondering about is the fundamentals course. Do they need the fundamentals course? What's, what's in it? I mean, we list what's in it. If you go to courses and then at the mastersamuraitech.com, go to, go to the courses um, option in the main menu and just click on fundamentals. You'll see this drop down of all the um, different courses that we offer. And if you just click on fundamentals, you'll actually go to the page where you will see all of the lessons that are taught in the course. But I guess people don't see that. They don't, they don't click there or whatever. They just go ahead and call or email, which is fine. Um, but then they're wondering, do they need the fundamentals course? And I think they ask that too, because it sounds like it's a beginner's course. And, and it's an interesting course in that it is for beginners, but it is also for people with a lot of experience. Well, about half our students in the fundamentals right. course have been in the trade for 20, 30, sometimes 40 years. And they're learning some stuff that they've never, they've gotten, they've been able to get by with it all this time. But, right. but the, so the, what I wanted to get, I wanted to move on from that though, and say, you know, if you don't have these skills in the fundamental course, you've really got nothing else to build on in terms of keeping up with where the trade is going. We talked in the last segment about um, these like appliances are becoming really computers. And if you've got to have the fundamental skills if you're going to understand what's going on with appliances, if you're going to even be able to build on that. So it's your platform for building on. So because we'll get people that will come over, uh, well, I just, I just want to learn how to fix washers. Um, but they, yet they don't understand how to read schematics, don't understand circuits or anything like that. Uh, well, if what they're really asking, in other words, th they don't know what they don't know. What they're really wanting is monkey training there. They're really just wanting to know how to take stuff apart and put it back together again. You don't need to look, newsflash, you don't need a course for that. Go to YouTube and, and got, find free YouTube videos on how to take stuff apart and put it together again. That's all over the place on YouTube. If, if all you want to do is be able to just, uh, I, I just want to fix dryers, I just want to fix ovens. Um, but I don't, I don't need to know how to read schematics. I don't want to know any of that stuff. I, I just want to know how to, how to I, then you're getting the cart before the horse. And, right. and I think you put it, you put it well, you said. Um, yeah, I said it's like uh, somebody wanting to, somebody to teach them how to read, but skipping teaching them the alphabet. Right. So, you know, if, and that's really, you're really going to limit yourself. If you don't understand the fundamentals, like reading schematics and gas and motors and all that type of stuff, you're, you're pretty much limiting yourself to just being, a parts changing monkey where you are simply going by pattern recognition. You will never be able to troubleshoot. You will, it will always be, well, if this problem replaced that part. So um, that was just one uh, common question I wanted to go ahead and answer there because we get, we, get we get asked this um, right. pretty so, frequently. So who would you say does not need the fundamentals course? I mean, there are fewer people who don't need it, so it's easier to like identify that. Right, so if you really understand circuits, series parallel circuits, you know Ohm's law, you know how to troubleshoot with, with uh, schematics, and you know a lot of guys will think they understand parallel circuits, but they don't really. 
because um, they don't understand about equivalent resistance or how um, the voltage in each branch or how the current divides in each branch uh, in a parallel circuit. And uh, you know, they, they go by what I call technician mythology. Oh, well, current always follows the path of least resistance, you know, this type of stuff that will just really get you into trouble because it's, it's sloppy, anecdotal, non-mathematical thinking. And you've got to understand a little bit of math if you're going to understand electricity. You gotta, so if, but if you know that, you're, that's great. If you, right. know, you know gas, if you understand motor systems, both single phase motors and the variable frequency drive systems, and you're, you're all good to go on that. Um, you understand the logical troubleshooting process. You understand what you need to have in order to really troubleshoot something. The information, the information you need to have in order to do the process of mm -hmm. troubleshooting that technicians do. If you got all that down and you've already got your tools dialed in and everything, then you probably don't need the fundamentals course. In fact, I would say you don't. Right. If if you if you've got all that. So in other words, your electrical and electronic um, knowledge should have been gotten systematically through training, not just anecdotally. Right. You're not going to pick up the kinds of things you just described by just casually or just by doing it. it you right. would have needed some specific training. No, but uh, all training is not created equal. Uh, mm -hmm. What about that one story that uh, one fellow you were talking to, he actually was in a trade school. You were talking to him on the phone. Right. He, and once you Yeah, and, and he said that... Um, he and other students were asking more detailed questions of the teacher. I don't want to call him a professor well, they, at this they, trade school. They were looking at a circuit. Right. Looking they, at a circuit di schematic diagram. They of wanted a more a fundamental description of what was going on in the circuit. And the teacher just said, hey, we're not engineers. We don't need to know that. Just, you know, let's move on. So, in other words, translation is. Um, I don't really know. You've stumped me, but rather than me find out what I and know that which I should know and be able to explain to you, I'm going to belittle you. And that was his approach. That was kind of not uncommon in the day there, because uh, electrical ignorance is so pervasive now in the trade that even the guys who were held up at, to be instructors didn't know what they were doing, didn't know what they were talking about. I have dealt with guys on, on our Facebook page. Um, had a little quiz a while back on a dryer, simple dryer circuit. And the guy was completely wrong about how he was explaining that it worked. Could not answer a simple question about how it worked. And yet he was, he was just kind of coming back at me with bluster uh, about, well, I taught at trade school. He might have been even the same guy that you were, you were just talking know, about in your story. Yeah. But um, I taught in trade school and I guarantee it works that way. Well, look, guarantees don't change the way electricity moves. Electricity moves in accordance with Ohm's law. And when we're talking about electricity, we're talking about electrons, little negatively charged particles, and they are dumb and they move totally in response to voltage. So voltage is the cause, current is the effect, and E equals I times R and all the permutations on that equation. And if you understand these things and how, they, how to apply them, then there is no speculation about mm -hmm. circuits. It's, it's, it's not an art, it's a science. And it moves in very specific ways according to very specific rules. So it's not like, oh, I bet you it does, or I guarantee it does. That means nothing. So, and that's one thing a lot of guys don't get. This is what I mean. You have to have some, you're thinking when you're talking about electricity, it has to be at least somewhat informed by very simple mathematics and that you find like in the Ohm's Law equations. Right, right. 
All right, so we've, um, uh, I think, gone a little long on this segment. We've, we're, we've already blown away. We're, we've had this target <laughs> of 20 minutes in, um, in for each episode. We're already going to blow that one out of the water. But That's uh, all right. Hopefully, you guys are enjoying listening to us. Yeah. and hopefully, We just have a little more to get. Hopefully, it's not too much bloviating. But, yes, we're going to come back. Um, we're going to wrap up this segment. Come back with everyone's favorite segment on Tech Talk. Tech Talk. And uh, we're, gonna, we're going to... Revisit an issue because we had some questions, some good questions um, about, about the, your wiggy. Yes, about the wiggy. So we're gonna we're gonna be talking wiggies when we come right back. All right, welcome back. Well, as promised in this segment, we're gonna be talking wiggies. And uh, if we have time, we'll get into talking about another tool for you. But first, Wiggies, you know, on the la- after the last episode, had some really good questions about Wiggies. And, uh, and, and what I mean by Wiggies is loading meter versus non-loading meter. And, I, and we got into that in the last episode. Um, if you're not sure what I'm talking about there, go back and listen to episode one. So, and I mentioned the Wiggy there it's kind of the slang name for them that's what electricians call these loading meters that you'll see a lot of the old school electricians use them a lot of the newer electricians are not using uh loading type meters and i see a lot of mistakes that these younger electricians are making because they don't understand the value of it that these old timers had learned and um so one of the questions that was asked was uh, when do i use the wiggy well i use the wiggy That, that, that was our cat freaking out. So, um, sorry about that. But wi- I use the Wiggy anytime I'm measuring AC voltage. So, I pretty much don't even bother with the digital multimeter anymore uh, for AC voltage just because it can lie. And if, if I'm looking at AC power, that's and power again, P is equal to I times E. Power is the presence of voltage and current together. Power is equal to current times voltage. So, I really, I'm really, when I'm looking at what's supplying a load and a load is not operating for me properly, whether it's a motor um, or whatever, it at light, whatever, um, I want to make sure that I actually have, I am, that my circuit is capable of delivering power. Voltage alone isn't going to get it done. You can have uh, voltage there that disappears when the, when the load actually tries to get energized. And we talked about that sometime, uh, a little bit last episode. So, the wiggy, the loading meter, actually places a load on the circuit and makes sure that that circuit is capable of delivering power. So, and this is always, usually only an issue when we're dealing, in the appliance world, it's different in the car world, in the auto world, they, they have the same type of issue with DC because everything's DC. But they've got DC power issues going on where they have high, um, high current draw um, DC loads. In the appliance world, our high current draw loads are usually AC. And in those situations, uh, the way to check and see if it, you can get, if you're capable of delivering power is use that Wiggy. Because what it does is it actually places a load on that circuit. And this gets into the other question that was asked was, which Wiggy, which loading meter, and why? Now, there's like really cheap ones, $6 that you can buy, and all they do is light up a little bit. Um, that's not really placing much of, a, much of a load on the circuit. And you really want to stress that circuit. You want, to, you want it to emulate a real-life load. 
Um, in fact, if you look on the box of some of those lower cost meters, you'll see that they're, the current draws on the order of you know, 30 milliamps or something, or maybe 300 milliamps. Maybe I'm remembering it wrong. But anyway, fractional amps, really not a whole lot. Because uh, as I mentioned last time, if you have like a high resistance connection upstream, it could take an amp or two before it really starts, you get enough current draw to drop a lot of your source voltage across that high resistance connection. And if we have time, maybe we can talk a little bit about voltage versus voltage drop, because they're two very important concepts. We may just have to save that for next yeah, episode. Yeah, that, that might, that could be its own tech talk. Yeah. Okay. We'll probably do that then. So getting back, finishing out which wiggy and why, then what I use is one that's actually got a solenoid in it. It, it costs a little bit more. So it's like $40 versus $6. It, it, but it's got three ways. So it's got a solenoid in it. So it draws a fair amount of current. It vibrates. That solenoid uh, makes a vibrating thing. So you can tell by feel whether you've got a good supply or not. It lights up and it actually does a visual indication of, of a mechanical visual gauge of voltage. And it'll do 120, 240. I think it goes up to 400. Um, so that, that's the loading meter. I don't have a link for it. Maybe I can uh, include one in the um, post episode for, with this. Sure. Uh, include a link to the one that I use. Um, and you'll see it in, a, in, the, in a recent video um, that I did in the, at the Master Samurai Tech blog mm -hmm. in my video, you will actually see my wiggy that I use there because I use three different types of voltage meters, the sniffer, the DMM, and then the wiggy was right. the third thing I used. And again, used. that's that blog post about is death lurking. So yeah. if, you, if you go to our MST blog section at the website and just search the word death if you're not seeing that if this is if you're listening to this later on and it's been bumped by a lot of other posts you'll be able to find it and that video is great for showing yeah, i think it's what june was not june 5th uh, what was the date of that post do you have that pull that up because um and we'll tell them the date of the post so they can look for it um that way so um, so you keep that in the you keep the wiggy in your regular tool bag it goes yeah. in you use it often enough yeah right? yeah let me just recap on that so Whenever I'm measuring AC voltage, I don't even bother with the DMM. Fluke stays in the bag. I pull out the Wiggy. I, I pull out the Fluke for stuff like DC voltage. I pull out the Fluke for stuff like continuity, resistance, capacitance, um, forward reverse bias checking on diodes uh, or, or triacs, resistors, you know, uh, not resistors, uh, transistors. So, um, you know, there's, but there's uh, AC voltage measurement. It's just too easy. There's too much confounding things that can go on in the appliance world to um, trust your DMM with things. And that date on that blog post is August 5th. I was thinking June 5th, but I knew it was more recent than that. So August 5th, if you... If 2015. You it. it was also... I also mentioned it in our recent newsletter, which went out today. And if you're not a subscriber to the Master Samurai Tech newsletter, you can. it's easy. Just go to mastersamuraitech.com create a free account there and you'll be asked at the same time if you want to subscribe to the newsletter and we, we put it out every week on different uh, topics uh, you know fun facts to know and tell type thing the most recent one features this blog post that uh, we're talking about here right oh and uh, you mentioned facebook a little bit ago uh, or in the previous segment you should also like us on facebook and that's we're just master samurai tech if you search Facebook for that, you'll find us. Oh, okay, great. That, that's easy. Mm -hmm. So yeah, just search Facebook and for or or you can also find it at um, MasterSamuraiTech.com and then scroll to the very bottom. Right. We have all of our social media little the, uh, right at the very what are those things there. called little icons down there. Okay, I want to just end off with uh, we're running a little bit long here, but maybe I can just mention it uh, quickly. Another new tool for your tool bag, the internet. So that's not super new, but. <laughs> 
but it for is, some guys it is. It is to a lot of, I talk to a lot of techs. I mean, I've been dealing with techs for a long time. And I talk to a lot, especially these guys, some of these guys in their 40s and 50s. Look, guys, I'm not a spring chicken. I'm 55. I know how to use the internet. I know what a link is. Uh, and I talk to some of these guys and they are clueless. They have not figured out how to use the internet as a regular tool. You know how to use a Bosch driver. You know how to use your dig digital multimeter. Why can't you figure out how to use the internet as an information tool? It's a complete game changer in, mm -hmm. in how we do appliance repair. No more of this watching videos and you know, and then going out and hopefully you remember it or taking notes or printing off a bunch of pages. I mean, like the old days. Now it's you load up your tablet with your tech sheet and your service manual. I don't even go out and look for that stuff, the tech sheet on the on the appliance anymore because. It, most of the time it's gone. Um, parts changing monkeys will steal it. And uh, I don't know why they can't read the schematic, but, but it's gone. And so I, I will go out with it already loaded on my tablet and I can zoom it up and blow it up and make it nice and big. So you know, there's, um, I don't understand these guys who have not figured out how to use the internet yet. And so I, I was in chat at Appliantology. I was in the chat room at Appliantology one time and I was talking to this guy. This is a true story. It happened not too long ago. And, um, and he was a member there at the site, and, um, and he was telling me in the chat room there that, oh, I'm, I'm having trouble downloading a file, and it won't download correctly. I said, oh, well, uh, give me the link to the page that the file is on, and I'll check it out. I'll see if it downloads for me. So he tells me LG Refrigerator. I'm like, no, no, I need the link to that page, you know, the URL. And he comes back and says, oh, I didn't know I had to be an IT guy to fix appliances. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Are you yeah. Look, guys, we cannot be idiots today. We, we just cannot be good at our jobs unless we know how to use all of the tools that are available to us. And being an internet dummy is not cool. So if you are a neophyte, I'll be a little nicer with my description. <laughs> I just, I just get a little, I'm 55. I, I don't understand these guys who are in their 40s and have not figured out, you know, they're barely able to use email. I know. But if you are a neophyte in, in the internet world, Find a, a teenager or 20-something in your life, a, a relative or neighbor or friend who can show you the basics. You really don't need to know, to know a whole lot, but uh, to, to be able to get around and, and use it. So yeah. do what you need to do to get up to speed. It, it, will, it will change your life and rock your world. Oh, yeah. So, and well, and I know most of the people listening to this are probably most of the way there anyway. They wouldn't be listening to a podcast anyway. So. Yes. But I'm mostly I'm relating this stuff to you guys to... Uh, tell your friends, you know, and, and recognize that if you are already internet savvy, you're way ahead of the curve because mm -hmm. there's a lot of guys out there who have not figured it out yet. And just, you know, let's, let's try to up the whole game of the trade and just spread the word. And it just, you should be expecting people to be more uh, internet literate than, than exists. Gosh, it's, it's amazing. We're technicians. We, we, it, we're all about technical stuff and how things work. And we can't figure out how to use the internet for information. Right. And our customers are going to be controlling their appliances with apps on their smartphones. So we, we need to be able to dude, understand that. Time to up the game, dude. Yep. So, all right. Well, that's a wrap. That's enough on this one. Once again, blew it way out of the water time-wise. So, But thanks for hanging in there. And hope we didn't... Um, bore you or scandalize you too much well and thanks also we got a number of very nice comments after our first episode last week which was very heartening yes you know we're not absolutely was thanks so much this is not what we normally do and and it's nice to hear that people appreciated it and hopefully enjoyed it yes I'm, i think people would probably be shocked to know that we are not professional podcasters <laughs> <laughs> so. we fooled them again yes yeah. all right well listen guys thanks for thanks for listening and uh have a great week Bye. Bye.